0: Jesus knows the journey we have ahead of us, and He wants you to have the strength for your journey. This message is entitled, More Than Enough. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Oh God, we thank you for the privilege of prayer. We're so grateful that you allow us through the blood of Jesus and through the work that Jesus has done to actually come into the very throne room of heaven. It's hard for us to even imagine the reality of that, but Lord, it's true. You promised that we have direct access to you through Jesus Christ and by the shedding of his blood. You are our high priest. We come before you this morning, and we bring all of our needs to the throne of grace. Lord, your throne is a throne of grace, it's a throne of mercy, and so we approach your throne this morning with confidence, Lord, knowing that you care deeply about every need in our life. Lord, there's so many needs that are represented online this morning for those who are watching and those present in the service this morning. Lord, the the needs are many, the needs are different, but Lord, you care about each one, and not only do you care, but you're able to help us deal with each one of these specific areas of life. So Lord, today we lift up our concerns to you. We lift up our cares to you. Lord, we lift up health, Lord, those that need to be healed. We lift up finances for those that need finances. We lift up jobs for those who need jobs. Lord, we lift up relational issues and problems that need to be healed. Lord, you know the the full dimension of all that's going on in the people of God today. We bring them before you with confidence we believe that you hear us. We believe that you answer us. And so today we thank you for not only the privilege of prayer, but thank you for the answers to prayer. We love you, we honor you and worship you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, welcome to church. It's so good to be in church today. It's good to have you with us online. Why don't we give a good welcome to all those who have joined us online today. Would you welcome them as well? Come on, give them a good round of applause as well. Great, you can be seated. If you're new with us today, welcome to church. encourage you to go to our church app and find out how you can get connected here. If you're watching online, just make sure that you pay attention to that little section that gives you some information about a meet and greet for all those online after today's service so that we can get to know you a little bit better and invite you to be a part of all that God is doing here at Church of the Redeemer. Well, can you believe that we're in the last weekend of February 2021? It's been incredible, and I would say that it's been just a sort of a fast-moving year, but I'm excited about what's coming up for our future, aren't you? It's great to be back together again, isn't it? And here's some good news. We've been uh, just to give you a couple of things that you'll need to be aware of. Next weekend, we actually are going to open the doors. We've actually been inviting uh, for the last two weekends those who have been volunteering in our church and a part of really strongly participating over this last year by helping us in a variety of ways. And so it's been a limited number of invitations. We needed to sort of get our feet on the ground again and figure out exactly how we were going to do this thing with the with the COVID regulations and restrictions and so forth. But we've had two weekends now. This is our second uh, under our belt, and so next weekend, the 6th and 7th of March, we're going to actually open the doors fully, uh, and there'll be three services instead of two. And and reservations will be taken. Reservations will go out this coming Tuesday. And so it's by reservation only. Somebody said, well, why do you have to have reservations? Because we still only have a certain limited number of seats that we're allowed to actually fill here by reason of COVID regulations. And we certainly want to comply with that and uh, and appreciate that. But make sure you get your reservations in uh, very quickly and either for the Saturday service at 6 p.m., the Sunday service at 11 or the Sunday service at 1. We will not have the 9 o'clock service as we used to have at this particular time, nor are our campuses open at this point because we're still trying to roll everything out effectively, and so we appreciate your, your, your understanding of that. And also, I just want to say thanks to all of you, whether you're watching online or here in the, in the house today, uh, for your support this past year. I'm telling you, it's been incredible, your prayer support. We felt it. Many of you have sent notes in saying we're praying for you. Thank you for your financial support. We've been feeding literally, uh, I, think, I don't know the exact number right now, but well over 100,000 people that we fed over the last several months, giving them food. If you're here on a Thursday, you'll see just cars lined up, receiving food during this pandemic time, and we thank you. I think the Lord deserves praise for that, would you agree? And you do as well, because you've been so faithful, and all your giving has made that happen. We've had many people over this year coming to faith in Christ. I just want to give you a quick report that God's doing incredible things. As I've reminded you of a number of times over the years, although the door's of the physical church have been closed during this time, the doors of the real church, see the church is not a building, the church is people, and that door has been wide open, and we've been ministering to lots of people throughout this year. Well, I'm excited also, another thing I want to mention to you before we get into today's message, is next weekend I'm going to start a brand new series of messages that will take us into Easter, yes, Easter is right around the corner, it's hard to believe that, but yes, we're heading into March, and then the first weekend of April will be Easter, uh, Sunday And so I'm going to start a series of messages called Reasons to Believe. And I'm going to talk about how to have confidence in Jesus Christ, that we will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is who he says he is, so that you have the ability to to not only have that confidence in yourself, but to share the, the, the powerful gospel of Jesus with other people as well. You don't want to miss this. I'm going to give you five reasons you can believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And you need this as a solid foundation for your your faith. So be here. Uh, Invite a friend if they can't be here with you on site at least invite invite them to be online, and let's really pack everything out the next five weeks as we head into a great Easter celebration. Well, grab your Bibles, if you will. Today I'm going to share a message with you that we finished up our Recover message last weekend, and I want to share with you sort of a one-off message that is on my heart to share it with you today, and it really came out of my devotional time this week, and the message I'd like to share with you this weekend is entitled, More Than Enough. Would you say that with me? More than enough. As I was going through, as I said, my devotional time this week, I'm going through, in the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew right now, and I'm going very slowly through it, just reading through it again. I'm not really uh, trying to necessarily read lots of chapters. I'm reading kind of, I like to read to feed. I read until something really grabs me and I get something in my heart, and so I want to chew on that for a while. And so that's kind of what I've been doing in the Gospel of Matthew. And I found myself this past week in Matthew chapters 14 and 15. I read a couple of those chapters. And in those chapters, there was an interesting miracle, actually two miracles that were very similar to one another that I want to talk to you about today because in this concept of more than enough, I want to apply that to what you might perceive in your own life today as being areas of lack and areas of limitation. Every one of us here today has some lack in our life. We have some limitations in our life. I don't know what your lack is, maybe you're lacking some finances, maybe you're lacking a job, maybe you're lacking some friendships, maybe you're lacking some sense of fulfillment in your life, but maybe there's something you're lacking right now that you could use more of. Or maybe there's some limit on your life right now. You feel like that you want to sort of ramp up the speed, but it feels like something is holding you back or something is restricting your forward progress, that you're lacking something or you're in a place of limitation. All of us experience these times in life, and the Bible has something to say to us about how to deal with lack and how to deal with limitations, and particularly in the two miracle stories that I want to share with you today from the Gospel of Matthew. The first one you will be very familiar with. You've heard the story before, I'm sure. The second one you may not be quite as familiar with. But both of these tell a similar story and provide for us a similar miracle that has transpired. Let me start with Matthew chapter 14, beginning in verse 13. It is the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. Let me read for you. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away. A very important statement spoken by the disciples. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, now what did they just ask him to do? Send the crowds away. Here's Jesus' reply to that. He replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. The response to that is in verse 17. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. Everyone say five loaves, two fish. Five and two. Bring them here to me, he said, and he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people they all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over the number of those who ate was about 5000 men besides women and children so here's the feeding it's called the feeding of the 5000 it's a bit of a misnomer because it's only counting the men 5000 men plus women and children obviously that crowd would have been a large a lot larger perhaps 50 or 20,000 people that were fed by this miracle that day. Now go with me to Matthew chapter 15, and I'm going to read to you the story of the feeding of the 4,000. It's a different miracle, but very similar to the one we just read. We're in chapter 15 of Matthew, verse 29. Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing. And they praised the God of Israel. Jesus called his disciples to him. Now remember, this is after the feeding of the 5,000. It's a different story here. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people, and they have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry, or they may collapse on the way. His disciples answered, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? How many loaves do you have, Jesus asked. Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. So five and two, seven and a few. Say it with me. Five and two, seven and a few. It's my greatest rhyme for the day, okay? Working on being a rapper, I guess, right? (laughs) So five loaves, two fish, seven loaves, and a few fish. Two different miracles. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves. Again, this is the second story. And the fish, and when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to, his, to the disciples. And they in turn to the people, they all ate and were satisfied. Same phrase that you found in the other story. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was 4,000 men beside women and children. So 5,000 men plus women and children in the first story. 4,000 men plus women and children. And the second story, first story, five loaves and two fish. Second story, seven loaves and a few fish. Different stories. And as I was reading these two stories, almost back to back. There's some other uh, scriptures in between these two stories. But I was reading them sort of in a flow and thinking about them. I had to ask myself the question, why did Jesus do very similar miracles like this and have them recorded in our Bible? Because I don't believe anything is in the Bible by accident. I don't believe anything's in the Bible in terms of placement by accident. Somehow, God said in chapter 14, you need to hear this story about the five loaves and the two fish. And then he says, and by the way, I need to tell it to you again in the, in the next chapter because it's something that I really want you to get. So it really struck me that there in these two, Uh, back-to-back chapters that we had a similar miracle presented to us by Jesus. And so it, it made me stop and say, what's the lesson here? What is it that we need to learn? Why two similar stories? What do we need to take from this? Jesus was obviously trying to teach us something. As I spent some time reflecting upon these two stories, there were six things that came to my mind that I believe are vital lessons. I don't propose to say that this is an exhaustive list of lessons that you get from these two miracles. Lots of the word of God is rich and full and so many things you can get from it. But there are six things that I want to share with you that I reflected upon as I studied these two miracles. So let's dive in together. Everybody ready? Online, ready? Here we go. Here's the first point that I want you to be aware of today. Here's the first thing that came to my mind as I studied those two, those two passages, those miracles. Jesus' concern for you far exceeds your concern for yourself or others' concern for you. Jesus has a concern for you, and here's the key phrase, that far what? Exceeds your concern for yourself or others' concern for you. Let me explain how this point came to me from these two passages. It was very interesting Interesting to me that Jesus, in both of these stories, he noticed a need in the people before the people noticed a need in themselves. He noticed something that they had need of. There's no record of anyone coming to Jesus and saying, hey, Jesus, we need some food. Nobody, no hungry person showed up and said, hey, Jesus, are you going to feed us? Where's the catering truck? where's the food layout for the day? Where's the picnic? Nobody came and asked Jesus for food, but nevertheless, Jesus was sensitive enough to the needs of people that he brought the issue up himself because he had a deep concern. And he, was, as the Bible says, he was moved with compassion. I want you to take note of this particular verse, Matthew chapter 15, verse 32. So here he is, Jesus called his disciples to him. Nobody came to Jesus first. He called his disciples to him and said, I have, what's the word here? Very important word. I have compassion for these people. I have compassion for these people. Why? Because they have already been with me for three days. This is the second miracle, so he'd been with them for three days. The first miracle seems to be a one-day miracle, one-day event that happened with Jesus. But Jesus said, I'm really concerned. I have compassion. I feel a need. No one has communicated that need to me, but I sense it because of the compassion in my heart. And I do not want to send them away hungry. Why? Because they may... Collapse on the way. Jesus says, these folks have been with me for three days. Nobody's asking for food, but I feel the need to provide for them because I want to make sure they have everything that they need. I don't want them to, say it with me, collapse. I want you to know today that Jesus is the kind of Savior that looks down and he sees needs in you before you even see the needs in yourself. He sees needs that are going on in your life far in advance of anything you may even be able to identify in your life, that Jesus is a compassionate Savior, and he does not want you collapsing on the way. He does not want you shriveling or growing weary on your journey, and so he's already looking ahead to the needs that you have. And by the way, he cares more about your needs, not only than you care about them, but he cares more about your needs than other people care about them. I think all of us can say amen to that one, right? What did the disciples want to do? The disciples wanted to send them away, but Jesus said, no, no, don't send them away. Don't send them away hungry. They may collapse along the way. Remember today that Jesus Cares about you. He doesn't want you to faint. He doesn't want you to collapse on the way. He wants to make sure you have everything you need for your journey. Anyone want to say hallelujah about that today? He wants you to have everything that you need for your journey. He does not want you to collapse on the way. Now let's go to the second point that we learn from these, these miracles. The second point that came to me was that limitations and lack prove something. They prove the power of faith. Limitations and lack actually provide an opportunity for something to be proven in your life. Now, it's interesting that Jesus included the disciples in this miracle. Jesus could have easily said, food be, and food would have rained down from heaven best meal you've ever had, heavenly food. Jesus could have spoken a word and food could have been provided, but somehow he's now not only wanting to feed the people, but he's also trying to teach something about faith and confidence in him to his disciples. And so he brings his disciples to himself and he says, I want you to to take note of what's going on here. I want you to see and come face to face with the reality of a limitation because I want to do something in your faith. I want you to learn how to trust me in situations like... This and so he brought them face to face with lack and limitation. How many people are here, and what kind of food do we have to feed them? And so, suddenly, for both the for for Jesus, obviously knowing what he was going to do, he's brought this to the attention of the disciples, and they're staring face to face with their lack and with their limitation. Here's the key to understand this, a little diagram for you. Here they are, the disciples, this is what they're looking at. They're looking at, on the first case, five loaves and two fish. And now they've got 5,000. This one really shouldn't be here. They have 5,000 people. Each of these individuals, one, two, three, four, five, multiply it by 1,000, and there are 5,000 plus the women and children that are there. And so here's this situation. The disciples are paying attention now, and they see this, and they see this, but they haven't yet seen this. Are you with me? They see this. And they see this, but this is, they're blinded to the central element of what Jesus is trying to teach them, what He wants them to understand in this set of circumstances. And I think that's where a lot of us live our lives. We look at over here, what we identify as a great deal of lack, We have a situation in life, and we look and say, my goodness, I don't have this, and I don't have that, and I seem to be limited there, and this isn't working very well for me, and and I really need all of this to do this, and so our focus is from here to here. But I want to let you know that God wants to change your focus from here here to here to here to here to here. And that was the whole story for them. He's trying to help them to understand that in their situation, there is a God gap that only God can fill. And the same is true for you and me that when we're looking at lack and limitation, and this is going to be the reality of your life from now on until you die, you're going to always face times of lack and times of limitation. It doesn't matter where you get to in life, you're going to always face something that you're not going to have enough of, and you're going to be limited by. All of us as people just living in this world, we deal with lack and we deal with limitation. And so for most of us, we spend all of our time looking at the lack, looking at the need, looking at the lack, looking at the need need, but we as believers, we as disciples need to now insert something else into the equation and what you and I need to insert in the equation is the faith to know that God can fill every gap. Whatever the gap is, God is well able to fill it. I want you to note with me James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, as the the Apostle James, who lived through all kind of difficulty in his own life, and he writes these words. This is the message paraphrased. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. Did you hear that? Consider it a sheer gift Friends, when tests and challenges, when lack and limitations, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides, consider it what a gift. Now, most of us do not consider lack and limitation a gift. Most of us do not consider tests and challenges a gift, but God says, I want you to think of it every time you see lack and every time you see limitation, every time you come up against a test of your faith and a challenge that's before you in life, I want you to embrace it as a gift being given to you by God because you know that, and here's the rest of that passage, under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors see anytime God allows you to go through anything in life it's not to prove that your faith doesn't work it's to prove that your faith does work and that's exactly what Jesus was trying to teach these disciples to help them to understand look yes there's lack and yes there's limitation and yes there's this huge need over here but I want you to live your life with inserting something in the middle and what you insert in the middle is having faith in the God who is able to fill the gap here's our next third point when your faith is challenged acknowledge your limitations and lack but don't what don't what don't stop there look for your I know it's been a while since everybody's been in church but it's okay to say amen in church it really is it's okay to talk back to me even if you sound a little bit muffled through your mask that's all right. We'll, we'll pray for the interpretation, okay? But we want to hear from everybody. everybody say, "Stop looking at the lack." Come on, say it with me. Looking Start looking for the little. Looking the stop looking at the lack. Start looking for the little. See, most people look at the lack and the limitations and the need, and they stop right there. Well, there's no way this will ever work. I'm not sure how we're going to handle this. Boy, this marriage is never going to get fixed. I'm never going to get a job. I've tried for the last year and nothing seems to, it's never going to happen for me. And you just fill in the blank with all the ways that we just stop right there between the the lack and the limitations and the need and we stop there. But it's something interesting that Jesus does here in this story. He asks the disciples to find something. And notice what it says here. We have here only... Five loaves of bread and two fish. Here's the key word. Only, okay. Anybody ever said that before? Wow, well, yeah, I got to pay this bill, but I only have. I've got to deal with the situation, but I don't feel like I, ha- I only have enough strength to, to just barely make it through. I'm not sure I'll be able to handle it. And so we, we insert the only. We have here only. Only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. This is in the first scenario. Let's go to the second scenario and see what's how many loaves do you have? Seven, they replied, and a few. What were they focusing on? The only and the small, the only and the small. And by the way, dear ones, that's exactly what you and I have a tendency to do in our life. We have a tendency to focus on the bigness of the need and the smallness of our resources but when it comes to God he wants you to flip everything around and instead of looking at the bigness of your need and the smallness of your resources he wants to look that, cause you and I to look at the bigness of our resource even though it may seem small sufficient enough for whatever need might be in your life and you have to look if you're going to see something Do you know that when Jesus said to the disciples what do we have here we've got to feed these people what's in the crowd they had to go look for something right they had to search through the crowd, and they finally found, in the first case, a little boy with five loaves and two fish. I'm not sure exactly how they got him to Jesus. I'm not sure if they tied him up and drug him there. I'm not sure what they did. I got a feeling that this little guy was a cooperative agent in the process, but the point was they got the resource to Jesus as little as it was, and we'll get to that in a moment. But you, here's the key. I don't want you, Sue, so this is vital, because in both of these situations, five loaves, two fish. Seven loaves, a few fish. In both of these situations, Jesus, here's what Jesus was looking for. Stay with me right here. Very important. Jesus was looking for one simple thing. He was looking for a seed for a miracle. That's all he needed. I need a little seed to plant here, and I want you to be involved in it. I have learned in my life, in my study of the Bible, and my own personal experience that God always places some seed in your life and the seed always looks smaller than the need always if you look at the need and compare it to the seed, seeds are always much smaller than needs. I wanted to bring to you a, an example of that today. I couldn't find an, uh, really an effective picture to do so. But if you take a look at a seed, most seeds are extremely small, like a grain seed, very, very small. But then you look at a massive field of grain, you realize that all that grain came from a little seed or little seeds. And so Jesus says, what I want you to focus on in your life is not how big your need is. I want you to begin to look around. and I want want you to see some seed because I'm the God who works with seed I take little things and I turn them into a lot and so I want you to find some seed because the seed is the very thing that is going to meet your need. I'll give you a couple examples of this from the Old Testament as quickly as I can. The first one is found in 1 Kings chapter 17. We're not going to read it. I'm going to tell you the story. It's a story of a man by the name of Elijah, one of the prophets of God, and he was running from, from Ahab and Jezebel. He's been living by a brook and raven's birds have been feeding him for a particular period of time. and then the dries up, and then God says, I want to send you to a little city by the name of Zarephath, and there's a widow there that's going to take care of you since the brook is dried up. You can read again about this in 1 Kings chapter 17. And so think about it. Elijah the prophet goes to this little city called Zarephath, and there is a widow that is there, and she's gathering up a few sticks, getting ready to bake some bread. And she explains to the prophet, yeah, I'm going to bake my... I've got a little bit of flour, and I've got a little bit of oil, and I'm gathering the sticks because I'm going to bake, bake my last loaf of bread. There's nothing after this. I, I am going to eat it with my son, and we're going to die. There's nothing else. We're in a time, it was in a time of famine. There was no food around. And so Elijah, the prophet, goes to this little lady, and now she says, I've got a little bit of flour, a little bit of oil, baking my last loaf of bread, and then we're going to eat and die. And Elijah says to her, listen, he says to her, that's great, that's fine. I'm paraphrasing there, but in essence, he says, that's great, but bake me a piece of bread first. What? This wonderful man of God, and you're telling this poor white lady, he's about to... To eat her last loaf of bread with a little bit of flour and oil. But that was her seed. And he was saying, if you'll trust God with your seed, God will meet your need. Are you with me? If you'll trust God with your seed, it's going to require some faith for you to bake me that piece of bread first. But bake it first. And here's the promise of God. If you'll bake the bread for me first... If you'll give that first fruit to me as I'm a representative of God. It wasn't a selfish thing that Elijah was doing. He was, he was setting this lady up for success. He was setting this lady up for a future. But she had to do, see, every farmer understands your future is in your seed. Amen? You don't waste your seed. Your future is in your seed. That's your destiny. So in this situation, he says, if you will bake that, that bread for me first I promise you, God promises you that your oil will never run dry and your flour will never dissipate until this famine is over and she made the choice to do exactly what Elijah requested and she was taken care of for the entire famine because God always uses seed to meet needs in your life second story is found in 2 Kings it's a story of a man by the name of Elisha, the, the successor to Elijah and it's a similar story Elisha is, uh, is, is, is addressed by a lady who's lost her husband, who's one of the prophets as well in the, uh, in the school of the prophets of Elisha. And so this lady had lost him. She's now a widow as well. And, and, uh, and the man had left her, her husband had left her with a lot of debt. And so to pay off all of her debt, all of her creditors were asking for the money. She did not have enough money to pay off her debt. So she's going to have to sell her son into slavery. This is found in 2 Kings chapter 4 if you want the reference for that. And so here she is, she comes to Elisha and says, what am I going to do? And Elisha asks her one question. That one question is found in verse number two. Tell me, what do you have in your house? Look around, lady, you said that. You don't have anything at all. You've lost all of your resources. The only thing you can do now is sell your son into slavery. But before you do that, I want you to go back to your house, and I want you to look. Go through every cupboard, every place you can look, and I want you to tell me what do you have in your house. She could easily tell him what she didn't have. What she couldn't do was tell him what she did have. And so she goes back and looks and says, well, I've I've got a little bit of oil left. He says, that's all we need. Go to your neighbors and borrow as many vessels, as jars as you can, and get as many vessels and jars, bring them back, and now begin to take that little bit of oil, and that's your seed, and start pouring it out into the jars, and, and the promise is God's going to, as long as you keep pouring, and as long as there's a jar available, there's going to be oil after oil after oil that will flow, and then sell all the oil, and pay all your bills, and live off of the money that's left over, and she had plenty. Why? Because she knew what to do with her seed. Are you hearing me today? So important. So I would ask you to think about it in your life. What what kind of seed do you have? You've got a big need, but what do you have in your life that God can use to meet that need? You may not think it's there. You may only be able to see what you lack. What I want you to be able to see, what God more importantly wants you to be able to see is not what you lack but what you actually have available is a seed that he can use through your faith. The next one, number four. We've got to move through these quickly. The fourth thing is giving your seed is the key to God meeting your need. Wow. None of us really like that word, do we? Giving your seed is the, what is it? Is the key to God meeting your need. Your seed never does you any good if you hold on to it. Seed doesn't work unless it's planted in the ground, right? That's the only way seed works. I want you to notice what Jesus said once they discovered what they had. He said, now that you've discovered some things in your house, do what? Or or in in the crowd, what? Bring them to me. Bring them to me, he said. And so they brought the five loaves and the two fish and they gave them to Jesus. They brought the seven loaves and the few fish and they brought them to Jesus. They put them in the hands of Jesus. And that's what you and I have to do. We have to give them up and put them in the hands of Jesus. That little boy gave over his lunch. Think about the faith, not only of the disciples, but the faith of that little boy. What does it mean to give your seed to Jesus? I don't know what it might mean for you in your life. I'm confident that the Holy Spirit who loves you, who lives inside of you, can make you aware of what the seed is for your life right now to meet some kind of need that's going on in your life right now. I don't have all the answers, but he does. He can help you find the seed that you need in your life for your future, for your destiny. But when you discover it, you need to bring it to Jesus. A number of years ago, I was in, when I was in graduate school, it was a lot of years ago. I was in graduate school and. Uh, of course, when you're in graduate school, you, you've got to pay tuition, right? Tuition is a big deal. When you're in school, you've got to pay that, that bill if you're going to stay in, in school. And so uh, my tuition was coming up for my, I believe it was my last quarter, if I remember correctly, uh, of graduate school. So I'm like just a few months away from graduating, and i got to pay this tuition bill. And I remember looking at our checkbook on a Sunday morning as I'm thinking about having to pay that tuition on Tuesday. I'm thinking, my goodness, if, if I paid my tithes today at church, I'm going, my wife and I were going to church with our kids, and if I, pay, if I give God my tithe today, I will not have enough money to pay my tuition. I'm just this close. Surely God would understand. Surely God would understand that I need to graduate. Anybody ever been there before? But there was this moment that I'm thinking, and it wasn't a very long moment of struggle because I'd been trained in this my whole life. My dad and mom taught me the principle of tithing from the time that I was a little kid, got my first allowance. I understood that one-tenth of everything that ever came to me belonged to God. It wasn't even mine. So if I took it, I was stealing it from God, and I didn't want to do that. So I understood it, so I worked my way through it very quickly. My wife and I agreed. You know, we're going to go to church saying We're going to give God what is rightfully is our tenth. If I don't go to school this quarter, that's okay. We'll have a problem. That was my need. That was my seed. It wasn't as though I was going to church saying, God, here's my tithe. You better make sure I have tuition. Had nothing to do with that. I was perfectly satisfied that, hey, I'm just trusting God. If it doesn't come through, I just will have to wait or not be able to finish or something else will be able to need to be worked out. But it wasn't as though I was trying to bargain with God. never try to bargain with God about anything. God's not a bargaining kind of God. God works on the basis of promises and integrity and character. And so that's how he works. And so, I, we, but we made the decision we're going to go to church today and we're going we're to give God what belongs to God, the tenth portion, that, that first tenth, 10% of what belongs to him. And if I don't have tuition, that, that's just what it's going to be. And so we did. We went to church, wrote the check, gave it that morning, came back home, peace completely, not worried about it at all. And Tuesday, I'm going to, if my memory serves me correctly, because this was a number of years ago, so the days might be off a bit, but I believe it was a Tuesday that I needed to pay my tuition. But I, So two days later, I went to our little post office box to check the mail, and inside the post office box was an envelope that contained a letter and a check to pay my entire tuition for the next quarter to wrap up. Okay. And if I remember correctly, again, I don't want to expand the story or exaggerate the story, but... From everything I recall, that check likely had been written on the same Sunday that I'd given the tithe to God, and by, the, by Tuesday it had arrived in our mailbox so that I had the money that I needed, and I will tell you something, God knows how to take seed and multiply it. Okay. Are you with me today? Very important, but you have to bring it to Him. Vital, extremely important. Let's go to our next point. I got three minutes to give you two points. All right, here we go. Gratitude for what you have must replace grumbling, grumbling over what you don't have. That point should be a message in and of itself. In both of these stories, gratitude was involved. Look at, if you will, at chapter 14, the five loaves and two fish. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, what did He do? He gave thanks. He gave thanks over the little. He gave thanks, over, I don't, it's not much, five loaves and two fish, but Father, I thank you for what I do have. The same is true in the next miracle. Then He took the seven loaves and the fish, and when He had given, thanks we have given thanks please 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 don't bypass this point part of living by faith is living in an attitude of gratitude give God thanks for what he brings into your life thank God for your seed it may look like very little but it's sufficient in the hands of God and the last point that I want to share with you today is this remember what does remember mean don't forget Remember, 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 remember. If you don't understand that word in English and you speak Spanish, it is required day, okay? Remember. Remember Jesus is a more than enough Savior. Can I have an amen right there, okay? Amen. What did Jesus want to do for the crowds? He wanted to feed them. Right? That's where this whole thing started, right? He wanted to feed them. And he fed them, but he didn't just feed them, he fed them well. The Bible says in both of these cases, and I emphasized it a moment ago as I was reading, at the end of the day, at the end of the story, at the end of the miracle, they all ate and were satisfied. I'm not sure about you, but when I looked up that word satisfied, it's basically the same word as what you feel after a Thanksgiving meal. Like, I'm not sure I can eat any more. I'm not sure I can take any more in. I am satiated. I, I don't have any room for anything else. I just ate the whole pizza. Don't try to give me another piece. They all ate and they were satisfied. They didn't want anything else. I will tell you that the little boy ate a better lunch with Jesus than he ate with his mama. And here's this moment when Jesus says, I want you to understand, and by the way, there were leftovers for the disciples and leftovers after everything had happened, basketfuls that were left over to continue to be consumed. And so Jesus is a more than enough Savior. He's the one that is able to do beyond anything that you and I can imagine. With that, I will conclude with this verse, and it's very clear in Ephesians chapter 2, verses, chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Now to Him... Who is able to do immeasurably, immeasurably, what more than all we ask or imagine? Wow! Stop there for a moment. Now to Him, Jesus, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to whose power? His power that is at work within us. To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And all the church said, Amen. Amen. That's the Savior that we serve. So in your life today, what do you need? What is, what's your lack? What's your limitation? Whatever it is, I want you to know that Jesus is is a more than enough savior. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Lord, we thank you today for the privilege of being able to study your word. We're grateful for the word of God and what it teaches us and how it encourages us. And I pray by your divine power and by your wisdom that you'll show each one of us today the seed that we have in our lives that you've uniquely designed to meet the need as we give it to you with a grateful heart. Knowing that you're able to do it exceedingly abundantly above anything we can ask or imagine. By the power that is at work in us through Jesus Christ, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm gonna give you a prayer to pray and You can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out, and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God, and I promise you that he will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of his name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you in Jesus' name.